Good morning. I've decided maybe next week I might dance. I might dance next week. But you at least want to walk up here differently when you hear that music. I mean, you do. You kind of get in a groove or something. I don't know. I don't think I have a groove. I'm sorry for mentioning that. But really good to have you here this morning. We're going to dive into the scriptures related to saving. But before we do that, I'd like you to hear a a video testimony from Greg Fuller. Uh, Greg is on the advisory team here, and uh, he he leads the teams that make Sundays and special events happen. He oversees those teams. He doesn't lead all the teams. He oversees the leaders of those teams. But I'd like to start with a testimony on video from him. Greg decided to follow Christ about 16 or 17 years ago. We coached Little League together for several years, and under the management of a friend of ours, we had a glorious year. One year, we won the city championship. It was fantastic. took a lot of planning and work, a lot of visits to whole enchilada here in town to talk about who we were going to draft and what we were going to do. But there was really something way more important than baseball that was going on uh, during that time. Uh, Greg and Vicki began to attend CIB. Vicki was motivated to do so. She grew up. Uh, in church life and was a believer, and so she was motivated. Greg went along, and over uh, a period of time, Greg decided to follow Christ as well. Greg's been in the hardware business for 35 years through a surprising turn of events. He left his position as CEO of uh, a, a large home center, sort of like Home Depot. I think it was the first of its kind. That was the first home center in the country, I, I believe. Is that right, Greg, or something like that? Okay, Greg says yes. He's, he doesn't want to talk about it. Sorry. Um, but anyway, he, he left that company and now is in startup mode for Hometown Hardware and Garden. It's going to be a new company. I really wish they'd get started because I need some flowers. I need some color in my yard and some other things. But uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that in, in this video. But We asked him to share his perspective before he came to Christ and his perspective after he came to Christ on money and possessions and the difference that's made. My view of money and possessions before following Christ um, was really one of that um, it was a direct result of my own efforts, my own skills, my own hard work, my own planning, my own talents. And from those things uh, would flow money and the things that money would buy. Um, It was a way to keep score. Uh, Before following Christ, clearly the size of your salary um, and the things that you could obtain with that uh, really led to a a way to keep score. Uh, Who had what? And inevitably that leads to comparison. And uh, the comparison was um, very damaging uh, in relationships. Uh, Who had more? Who had less? And you're always chasing contentment in things. It's a very fleeting contentment because as soon as you've got that thing, um, it's on to the next. So the worldview, I very much had the worldview of money and possessions before following Christ. That satisfaction and contentment would come in those things, uh, but relationships and other things suffered. He is the provider, not me. I am a caretaker of what he provides. Uh, I'm I'm the steward, not the owner. 
and um, it, it radically changes your view of, um, of money and what you do with it when you realize um, um, the blessing that it is from a provider versus the direct result of everything that I thought I was capable of doing. Um, the second thing that, that really um, changed my view was God used tithing to really unclench my fist around money and, and to really uh, release uh, the hold that it had on me uh, to start to tie and to um, uh, see that um, what, what God promises in Malachi 3.10 is really true. The only place in the Bible where he, he says, test me on this, um, where he talks about making our storehouses full. My view of what God's perspective is on the purpose for our money is, is that it's a heart test. Um, really, and that along with my time and my talents, um, money, those are the three things that we have um, to really steward well, to take our rightful place as a caretaker of those things, not as the creator or the giver of those things, as a caretaker, and to use those things to achieve what God's purpose is for us in our life, uh, not my purposes for my life. Uh, that's the fundamental shift. And, Primarily the purpose of those three things that the Lord provides, our, our time, our talent, and our money, uh, is used to discover and then pedal towards achieving his will for us in our life. About six months ago, I left my job of 35 years and have started uh, on a path to uh, launching our own business along with two, two partners um, that I've worked with for a very long time. Um, over the course of the last six months, uh, virtually nothing has happened in the timing that I would have preferred. Uh, nothing has gone as quick or as well or as in a straight line as I certainly would have chosen for myself or um, certainly what I had uh, planned on. Um, he already knows what's going to happen and he already knows when it's going to happen. And so God's used this process of trying to launch this business to again remind me um, that um, these struggles are intended to really grow our dependence on him and to watch him come through and, and to ultimately remember that he's already provided everything that I've needed to get through this. Uh, whatever this struggle is, he's already provided exactly what I need. Uh, may not be in the way that I had envisioned or the way that I'd hoped for, but God, God has clearly used this time to demonstrate yet again that as the creator, and as, as the maker of all things, um, uh, I am subject to his plan, not mine, and that he will provide, and that he intends the struggle and the time for our good. Adopting God's perspective uh, on, on money has really enriched my life in a, in a number of key ways. Um, first of all, there's been great protection, uh, protection from my own foolish decisions uh, and from the world schemes, uh, things that can indebt us going down the road when we, when we make foolish decisions, really understanding uh, what, what God has to say about decision-making as it relates to our money and our things uh, has really been great protection for me in the things that I've avoided, the, the snares that, that I, I haven't fallen into. Another way is, is that it's really um, given me an attitude of gratitude for the things that I do have. They're not just things. Um, they are blessings from, directly from God. And um, I'm very grateful for what he has provided. Uh, that's the shift in the, in the understanding of my place.
and really understanding my dependence upon him to to provide those things. He's also used um, my shift in perspective to um, really give um, a, a heart for others. Uh, uh, he has blessed us really abundantly, and it's given us an opportunity um, to meet needs that have arisen. Um, and um, that really gives you a heart for people. Um, you get very grateful um, for how God provides through those circumstances and uses others to provide. Money no longer makes the, the same amount of noise in my life that it used to. Um, that noise created a lot of stress. I was always thinking about it. There, was, there were debts, there were issues on cash flow, paying bills, um, and despite whatever I was making, somehow what I was spending always rose to meet the level of, of income that he was providing. Shifting in that manner uh, to God's perspective uh, on money has really um, created just far less noise in my life. Um, and what does happen is when there are financial issues or struggles, uh, the noise has really turned into dependence upon him instead of stress. And um, uh, that really is a very freeing um, feeling to know that um, the money's in its rightful place. And uh, as you keep it there and, and, and use God's word and the encouragement of others to do that, um, it really lowers the stress level uh, in your life related to finances. Greg's testifying to really the value of the theme that we're looking at in this series. God's current financial provision for my life is enough. Bible says if you can get there to that place, to that mindset, there's a great value. There's a lot of value in that. Great gain, Scripture says, in godliness with contentment. I'd like to start this morning out, this message out with um, a quiz. You're not going to have to hand it in. You won't have to turn in this quiz. But I'd like you to ask yourself a question and write a number from 0 to 10 at the top of your notes or just make a mental note in your mind, one or the other. But how satisfied are you right now with your finances? What's your satisfaction level? On a scale from 0 to 10, write down a number at the top of your notes. If you're totally dissatisfied and miserable, write down a 0. If you're somewhat satisfied, you might put a five down. If you're very satisfied, completely content, write down a ten. What level of satisfaction do you find yourself right now in relation to your, your finances? According to a recent survey that was done in New York, only 26% of the people in this survey were satisfied with their, their financial situation, with the way they approach their finances. 74% were below a five on that scale we just looked at. Here's what's interesting. Here are four things that are in common with the 26% who were satisfied. They had no consumer debt. They were living on less than they made. They had six months or more worth of money in their savings account. They had an investment plan for the future. Now, I don't know if you're surprised that you're coming to worship and hearing a message on saving. I'm actually surprised that I'm delivering a message on saving. This is probably the first time I've ever talked about this. And, and there's sort of a reason because early in my life, early in my 20s when I was going to seminary, I sort of was in some ways floating along 
in seminary and not really dealing with reality, what was going on. Uh, they would have presentations. You know, you go to go to class and certain classes are getting you ready for the real world and stuff when you're in seminary. And, um, one guy would deliver a presentation on uh, retirement funds and suggested get, you know, putting aside $25 a month so that you could build up a retirement fund. And I'm thinking, yeah, where's their faith? You know, what's going on? What, are they, do they not trust God or what? You know, they're going to put this money aside. Now, at 54, have a very different attitude <laughs> toward the 25 bucks a month that I should have set aside because there's faith and then there's presumption. And I think I was erring on one side there, the presumption. But God's been very faithful. He's t- taken care of me in the crunch, in the, in the bunch. The advisor team, thankfully, forced me to put some of my money aside when I was 40 uh, into savings. So I'm in better shape. That's late, though. That's late. A lot of you have a chance to start, start earlier on this. What you find in Scripture is that God doesn't separate the secular from the sacred. It's all one to him. All of life comes under his ownership and his rulership. If you've decided to follow Christ, everything comes under him. So you get into scripture and you find out, wow, this is some this is really practical stuff here. This is this is really helpful. I can learn some things about my money and my possessions and how to handle those things that are timeless, tried and true principles. So we're going to look into this. We're digging into the Bible to find out what God thinks about money and possessions. The Bible is the owner's manual for wise living. Jesus, who was great at this, told a, told a story or gave an illustration in Matthew 7. He said, everyone who hears my words and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock, a very strong foundation. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is saying this, if you want to build your life on a solid foundation that can stand up to the storms of life, then build it on the truth of the Bible. Build it on that. If you just do what the Bible says every day, read a little bit of the Bible, try to put it into practice. The next day, do the same thing. Let God work on your thinking and your perspective and then begin to try to live and do what you you see him saying and thinking there. You will grow wise. No matter how naive you are, it's not about naivete. It's about getting into the scripture and learning to live it out. You will grow wise. Even the simple become wise. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In the areas that I have followed God and stepped out to obey him, and he's very gracious, like, my attitude in seminary obviously needed some work. He's gracious, and he, and he works with us, and he, he helps us learn to adopt his ways. And the, the, in the ways that I adopt his thinking and his attitudes and his principles, I find his blessing. 
and I grow wise in those areas. And then in the ways that I'm foolish, I break myself against those principles, and I, I find myself hurting myself. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want to build your life on a solid foundation, dig into the Scripture, find out what it says. Today we're looking at what the Bible says about saving. Here's a verse from Proverbs. Pretty, pretty good description. Proverbs 21. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. Most Americans devour everything they've got and then some. Most of us are spending more than 100% of our income. We aren't thinking about storing up things for a rainy day or storing up stores of anything. We're thinking about what can I get with what I've got. That's a typical American person. Um, what we're talking about today, saving, gives us the opportunity to get on the positive side of the power of interest. Um, you know, nuclear energy is, is sort of like the power of interest. It's a powerful thing. It can be used for positive, to power uh, energy to houses. It can be used for the destructive, like destroying whole cities. When, when handling the components of nuclear power... It's important to be careful because you know, you know what's there. You know that it's, it's a powerful thing. You have to take care of it. Interest is the same way. In terms of debt or savings, it's powerful in either direction. If you get into debt and you bury yourself in debt, it compounds and it will bore a hole almost to the center of the earth over time if you allow it to. And if you work with this power of interest, save over time, it can also grow toward like into a little tiny hill and then a mountain over time. It's just the way it is. Last week, we looked at the Bible's perspective on debt. When you're in debt, you can get buried on the negative side of interest. For instance, like I said last week, $9,000 on credit cards. If you pay the minimum, it's going to take 47 years to pay it off. But by following the teaching of Scripture, you can harness the power of interest for good, for the good of God's kingdom, for the good of your family and others around you, and for your own good as well. The Bible gives us some compelling reasons to save. Now, a guy like me, with my attitude early on, you know, I'm, I'm thinking money is for spending, not for saving, not for building up. Money's for using right now. Um, I need some good reasons to save. I need to be motivated in the right direction to get on that power positive side of the power of interest. So here, here they are. First one, to get prepared for winter. Proverbs 6, we looked at this. Go to the Anto Sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The wisdom of the ant takes a longer view of reality, just instinctually. That's not my instinct. I don't have the same instincts as an ant. But it doesn't, the ant doesn't get caught up in the immediate. And that's the lie of consumer debt. It's, it's that you only think in one time frame, monthly. If I can make the payments, I can afford this. If I can just make the payments, I'm going to be okay. But only a fool thinks that the, th the way things are this month are the way they're going to be next month. Because winter is on its way. Even the ants know better than that, instinctually. 
So no one tells them winter's coming. They just know it. Winter is a time when resources dry up. They dry up, and you need some, some backup. It's, it's wise to prepare for these times. Here's a chart of the stock mar- market over the last 15 years, roughly 15 years from Yahoo Finance. Uh, this is just one facet of the seasons that we experience in life, but you can see the dips. That's the winter. And we're, we're all affected in one way or the other. Your personal finances may not be dramatically impacted by the stock market. This is just one facet. But I bet if you could chart your personal finances, there are going to be dips like that. There are going to be winters that you experience. Unexpected expenses, twists, turns in your life where you didn't realize this was coming. Things happen. Here's what Dave Ramsey says about saving for winter. We teach people to save for three basic reasons. Number one, for an emergency fund. You need money set aside for emergencies. Grandma said to save for a rainy day. Grab your umbrella. It's going to rain. Get ready. There are job layoffs. There are sick people. There are car wrecks. Life happens. Transmission goes out the same month. You need to buy a prom dress. Life is coming, baby. Get ready. It's going to rain. I'm positive it's going to rain. You need to get ready. Winter is coming. That's one reason to say, to get ready for winter. It's, it's coming up, to be prepared. Second reason, to make the most of the opportunity that is in the moment. If we're always pushing the margin, and we, we Americans tend to do that, you may not, but it's typical, uh, if we're always pushing the margin and on the edge and we don't have any saving for emergencies, then we're under a financial crunch when the opportunity comes up to help others. And Paul commended this in the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 9. Two good things will result from this ministry of giving. They were pulling together a a collection for people in Jerusalem who were in need. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. Your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a cushion, then you're able to help people with needs, projects that come up. You can help advance the kingdom when the opportunity presents itself. There is a bunch of joy in that. There's a tremendous amount of joy, enough joy to go all around. There's joy for the people who receive the gifts. There's joy for you as they give them, and there's joy for everyone as they hear about those gifts. Here's a third reason to save, to lay up reward in eternity. Now, we, we think about retirement. We have a certain visual picture, a visual image of retirement here in our country, um, And we want to save so that at the end of our lives, toward the end of our lives, we we can kick back, eat, drink, and be merry like the rich fool in the story we looked at a few, few weeks ago. This is what he said. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this very night is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. One, it's, it's, it's important to save for the later years in life. 
but our motivation scripturally should be so that we could uh, be in a position so that our, like my, one of the my main motivators for me is I, I don't want my kids to have to, to have to bear the weight of taking care of me when I can't take care of myself, if, if that happens. Um, another one, though, another motivator, the, the one that you see here in this passage for saving toward retirement is that we can get in a position so that we can use our extra time and any extra money we have for the kingdom good, for the good of others, for the good of God's kingdom, to extend his purpose. This is a great story that, that Jesus told here, this rich fool. Great stories are like great movies. Movies are just stories where you can see yourself in the story and you can identify, oh, I've been through that. I know what they're doing. I've thought the same thing. I've had the same experience. That's, that's a great story or a great movie. In this story, I see myself. I have to watch myself or I will live for things that don't really matter. I, I will live for things that get rusty and wear out and get torn up if I don't watch it. And that doesn't make a difference for anybody. So I've memorized Psalm 119, 36, and 37 just to help me remember to live for the things that matter. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. We've been talking about building our lives on the Bible, on the scripture, on Jesus' word, on God's word. If you build your life on that, you live for the things that matter. And he preserved. There's protection in it. There's preservation in it. God teaches us and molds us as we get into the Bible and begin to try to live it out. That's what we talk about on Sunday mornings. What could really matter later in life is to have the freedom to build God's kingdom, to focus on becoming more and more rich toward God, making a more, more and more difference. We're, we're empty nesters now, my wife and I. We have more time. And, and it's, 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 it's fun to be able to use that extra time to invest in the people around us. That's, that's a good deal. Not retired yet. I don't get to retire. Not planning on it. Uh, a guy that some of you know, Max Barnett, he's been a ministry leader for a long time. And uh, he retired from his ministry uh, at the University of Oklahoma, and now he says, I'm not retired, I'm just retired. I'm tired again, because he didn't slow down. He just kept going. And it's guys like that, I watch him. He's almost 70, or he is 70, I think now. And I watch guys like that, and it challenges me to live, to prepare to live my later years for what really matters. What? How can I make a difference with those years? How boring to just sit around watch TV, go play a round of golf. Okay, you might like golf. I, I, I might play a round of golf or two. But I want to play golf with somebody I can get to know <laughs> and, and make a difference in their life. That's going to be a good time. If we can get prepared for that, that'll be a good deal. Um, so those are some compelling reasons to save that you find in Scripture. Let's talk about how to save. First of all, Put God first. This is not, again, this is not our knee-jerk reaction. There are three things we can do with money. Uh, Give, spend, or save. 
And when we get crunched, our knee-jerk reaction is to save. This is actually a reflex that's shown itself in America right now. In 2004, the average savings per household was negative 0.04%. Not surprising, really. It's the way, way we think. In 2012, right now, last month in February, the average saving was 4.6%. We're in a winter. Our economy's in a winter period. And so people are sort of saving to kind of get ready for whatever's going to happen. They're not spending their money as much. This is, this is it. The Bible shifts that priority and says giving is number one. Giving to God, to his work, to his purposes in the world specifically is to be our number one priority with our money. That's to come off the top. We're to give. God gives very specific instructions on the financial order of priority to his people in Haggai. Haggai 1. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink but are still not thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Now, this is a word to God's people. And if you're walking with God, you want to consider this dynamic in your finances. Because as you try to save, this might be going on. If you're living by your plan, your financial plan, and not God's financial plan, your plan is full of holes. Our plan, any plan that we come up with is full of holes. I've experienced this. Things start falling apart. My car breaks down. Stuff's going wrong in the house. Things go on, and I check, and, uh uh-oh, I'm behind on my giving, or I forgot to give, or I, I didn't do this. I know better. I know better than to get behind. And so early on, I'd get behind, and I'd... I, it's been a long time since I've been behind on my giving, I will confess that. But I used to check, and things were tearing up, and they would match what I was behind in my giving on. Things would line up. And so if we're going to save, and you're walking with the Lord Jesus, you have to realize God is a good good father. And so this dynamic exists. Other times when things are falling apart, I check with God, and he wants to grow my giving. Sometimes they're falling apart, and I've been sort of not listening to him about giving extra to different things and different people. And so he expands my heart that way. But there's this dynamic. If your pocket starts to get full of holes, you want to check out what God's up to and what he's trying to say through that. Because there's no better way to get our attention than through our money. At least mine. I, he gets my attention. Okay, God, what's going on? I realize there's a hole here, and i got to fill it. I don't know. what. Would you help me figure this out? I'm not saying that if you give, that you won't ever have to go to the mechanic ever again. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. Life is life. We still have to experience life. But our plan is full of holes. There's protection in living by God's plan. Second thing to save is to know your financial condition. Proverbs 27, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. 
Cows and sheep, if you don't watch them or contain them, they wander off. Money is the same way. If you don't watch your money, it wanders off. Ranchers now, they put microchips into cows. And, and I, I don't know about sheep. I'm, I'm sure they do with cows. But they put the microchips in so they can track where they are. Pretty cool. Same way with our money. We've got to be able to track it. We've got to know where it's going. I just started using Mint.com. This isn't an advertisement. There are a lot of tools. But, boy, that's a great thing. Boom. Everything's right there. I can check on a weekly basis or daily basis if I want to, and I can see, are we going negative or are we going positive? What are we doing? What's happening? It's very helpful to see right before your eyes and watch whether I'm going in the positive or negative. There's nothing like the brutal facts to inform good decisions. They're brutal. There have been times I don't always want to look at my situation. I don't want to know the brutal facts. But boy, in financial area, in every area of our life, facing the brutal facts, dealing with reality is a very helpful thing. It really helps us. It helps us stay in touch with reality, and it informs wise decisions. Not knowing the brutal facts will lead you into folly. Third thing, aim to make progress little by little. This is another way to say it, little by little. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This is important. This is what they were trying to tell me in seminary. I was too stubborn to realize it. Too selfish, really. Really really needed to listen. 70, it's interesting. 70% of all lottery winners will squander away their winnings in a few years. This is some, a report by some Connecticut financial advisors. In the process of squandering those, those winnings, Friendships and family relationships will be destroyed, and the security they were hoping for out of that money goes away, disappears. Here's some principles that will help you, some practical monthly steps to take that will help you in this. What you gather by these research that's done on the lottery is that Scripture is real, <laughs> very real. Wealth gained hastily dwindles, but little by little we we can build it up. Um, but here are some practical steps you can take. First of all, cut your spending, start giving, and save. Live on a lower percentage of your income. Do whatever it takes. Save an emergency fund. If, if you don't, then whatever plan you make is vulnerable. Snowball your consumer debt. Take the smallest one, pay it off first, build some momentum, and keep going. Uh, four, invest for future goals. Instead of Paying out a, a new car, try to save for a, another car rather than paying payments on it. Um, save for college, for retirement. The seminar, seminar tonight is going to lay out some very practical help on these matters. So I'd encourage you to, to attend. I hope you're planning to come. It's going to be, be very helpful and practical. Here's a suggestion as I wrap up the message. Automate the giving and saving part of your plan. This takes the emotion out of the decision. You can make one decision to automate your saving and your giving, and then you don't have to make it again. Otherwise, you get twisted up in emotions. Should I give right now? Should I do this? We're, we're going to put some options on the website. You can do online giving. We're going to make it easier for you to automate your giving in the next couple of weeks. That's a great way 
to take the emotion out of it. You already you make one decision, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this to you, and here it is, and it just comes out off the top, and you're done with that one. You're, you're, in, you're in line. You're obeying. You're putting him first. Uh, so anyway, that's coming up. We'll let you know when those things are available at Savvy, but do that with your saving. That's been very helpful for me. You get used to it being gone. You know, I'm not a saver. That's not my knee jerk. But the money comes out. I don't have to think about it. I don't get all twisted up in what I could do with that money uh, otherwise. So let's wrap up the message. I'd like to wrap up the message anyway by looking at next steps that you could take. There are some uh, on the back of your connection card. If you'd pull the connection card out of your program, that'd be great. And look at the next steps. They're at the bottom of the listening guide on the back of the program. If you could use this time to finish completing the connection card, any next steps on that card that you want to take and then put it in the offering, that would be great. Here, here are the possible next steps. Memorize Proverbs 21:20. Just to remind yourself not to devour everything that comes your way. Second, start using a tracking system for your money. Start paying attention. Find out where exactly you are and use that tracking system. Third, attend the seminar tonight. Fourth, God may be speaking to you through your financial circumstances right now. And as you're dealing with him, he may be trying to draw you to himself, to trust him and to follow him. If you haven't yet committed your life to follow Christ, you could do that. You could let us know that you're ready to do that today. For the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I want to follow him as Lord. Let us know if that's the case. Then the baptism overview is coming up. Alex mentioned that. You could let us know that you plan to, to be a part of that as well. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we are really glad you're here. Welcome. We have a gift for you. As you leave the, the room here, the ballroom, go through the double doors to the left. There's a little taller table with some books on it called What on Earth Am I Here For? We'd love for you to pick up a, a book, and hope, we hope that, it, that, that it's really helpful to you as, you as you leave today and as you get a chance to read that. Glad you're here. Glad everyone's here. Let's pray as the band comes up to continue leading us. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that is the foundation for life. God, to the extent that we line up and get in line, with the way you've made life to work, we, we find your blessing. God, you are gracious. You've saved us just like we are. Uh, but you have also clued us in on how life works, the dynamics of finances and relationships and all the areas of life. So, Father, I ask that you'd help us as we have seen what you say in your word this morning about saving, about money and possessions in these areas. Give us the strength to step out and follow you and bring glory and honor you in the way we live. Lord, we ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.